What is up, people? Jean Carlos here with the Total Body Training Podcast, where I help people get lean, gain muscle, and build some damn confidence. And today, I've got a really special guest. This is Gene Bell. How you doing? <laughs> Gene is here, and here, here's the main reason why Gene's here. All right, I have heard nothing good but good things about Gene Bell. Uh, the first time that I heard about him, or the first time that I saw him, he was working over at TSS. He was training um, special needs, right? Special yes. needs. He was working with one of his special needs clients. Right. And I observed him. I was there working out, and I observed him working and doing such an excellent job and being so supportive with him. I was really impressed. And then I kept talking to people on the podcast. I talked to Claudia. I talked to Ashton Ruska. And all of them were like, Gene Bell did this, or Gene Bell taught me this. Um, all of them seemed to have got some kind of inspiration some knowledge from this dude over here on my side here and so i knew i needed to talk to him so uh thank you so much for being on the podcast today Gene. yeah thank you yeah pleasure to be here awesome all right so today's episode is brought to you by carbs gene what's your favorite carb my favorite carb is baked potato baked potato what do you like to eat with butter with butter okay <laughs> nice you put salt anything else on there Pepper and hot sauce. There we go. Oh, some hot sauce on there. What, what's your favorite? You got a hot sauce brand? Um, Tabasco. Tabasco? Mm -hmm. Keeping it simple. Yeah. Okay, I like it. <laughs> I like it. All right, Gene. So, uh, you know, before we go on, I just want to say that Gene has <laughs> some, uh, he's an accomplished lifter. And he's also an accomplished coach. So he's worked with several people, Ashton Ruska, Cece Holcomb. Uh, who are some others that we can Kimberly mention? Kimberly Walford, Benika Brown. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So these are world record setting uh, power lifters currently right now. <laughs> so he's worked with some pretty amazing people. So we're going to go through his life. We're going to start off with talking about his training history, where he started off as an athlete, and up until now. So uh, let's get started. Gene, so what was the first sport that you played? My first sport was uh, football, mm. Pop Warner football. Okay. I was in the sixth grade. The sixth grade, was this, and you were growing up where? I was, I grew up in central Florida, a little town called Bartow. Yeah. Located in between Tampa and Orlando. It must have been really small. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. Man, and that was in what year? Oh, uh, that was like uh, 1970. I was in the sixth grade. Yeah, so yeah. it was really small. I'm an old guy. So. <laughs> so 1970 in the middle of Central Florida, right? Yeah. Middle of Central Florida. All right, and so you started off playing football. Now, what got you interested in playing football, I guess? Well, in my neighborhood, um, all the guys played football. They played football, ran track, and played basketball. And on my side of town, we had about, you know, Four guys that was in the NFL at that time. And growing up, and like when I realized it from fourth grade on up, all these guys would be working out in their backyards, doing uh, drills, what we call the hill, it's full of white sand. Mm -hmm. So we would go out and mimic them, <clears throat> not really knowing what they were doing, just, you know, like they were having a good time. So we'd go out, listen to them. And, mimic what they were doing. But there was some, uh, for a small community, there was some great athletes. So you, these were the NFL players that you were kind of imitating at the time? The NFL, some of the guys that were in college. Yeah. A lot of guys playing college ball. Um, uh, high school athletes. Some of the guys coming back from Vietnam um, that were trying to get back into college. 
Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 And so that was at a time because like what people forget nowadays is that like athletes during the 1970s weren't making the kind of money that they make now. No. So like athletes had, you know, from what I understand is they had normal jobs and they had normal lives. Nowadays, right. athletes, they, you know, you look at LeBron. I mean, LeBron will never have to do anything else yeah. the rest of his life. He's got shoes. Mm -hmm. He's got brand deals, everything. But back then, um, athletes weren't making the kind of millions that they make now. Oh. Yeah. So I can see that. I can see yeah. that kind of, you know, coming back home and things like that. Yeah. Cool. So so, so you would say that kind of influenced you oh, to yeah. start. It yeah. was a major influence. Uh, you know, I wanted to play football. Um, but back then fourth grade they didn't really have a platform for young black kids to go mm -hmm. and play mm -hmm. football but it changed when I got into sixth, sixth grade so that's when you started playing mm -hmm. yeah um, so did you go did you travel around Florida playing at the time or was that something that was available to you yeah we um, played different cities in, in, in uh, Central Florida Polk County mm -hmm. yeah which uh, it was a very good league. Uh, we even had a uh, all star game for the state of Florida, mm -hmm. and uh, I made it one year and went down to Miami mm -hmm. and played an all star game. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool, man. So in the nineteen seventies in Miami, and so at the time, I don't even think Miami was like as big as it is now, right? Was Miami was Miami still kind of like a, a big city at the time, or was it more like Everglades? Kind of. <laughs> no, it was already always a big city. big city. Yeah, yeah, but it's not really big mm. even now. If you have you been there? No, I never. I, you know, I haven't been past. Uh, even though I grew up in Florida, I haven't been past like Orlando. I don't think. Really? Yeah, I don't think I've been past Orlando. Orlando is bigger than Miami. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The way that people talk about it, it's fragmented. Know? Ah, yeah. So it's split up. It's like a like yeah, you have yeah, to drive yeah. everywhere to get little bit, everywhere. Little bit, well, it don't take much to get around. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's real compact, but you have these little fragmented municipalities around it. Yeah, yeah. All right. So like you grew up there, you did the football thing, and then at what point did did you play other sports at the same time? Uh yeah, I did track and field. Uh, played a little basketball. Um, I did some. Uh, Grappling, also. Grappling, so fighting? No, grappling, wrestling. Wrestling. High school wrestling. wrestling yeah. High school wrestling, okay. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, when did the weightlifting come in? You know, actually, I started training when I was in the sixth grade. Because, you know, I was telling you about these guys in my neighborhood was always working out uh, in the backyard and stuff. So when we got up in the sixth grade, they invited a couple of us to work out with them. And I was one of the kids, the younger kids, that could actually train with them and use close to what they were using. So that's how I got my start. So you started training then. And then did you know that there were competitions? Were there competitions available at I that time? No, I, it, they weren't, but I didn't know anything about yeah. it. Yeah. So I didn't get to the competition phase until my uh, 11th grade year in high school. And, okay, so Gene told me something really interesting before we sat down. So you competed in weightlifting, but you competed in a hybrid form of weightlifting. Yeah. Can you tell us what that is and a little bit of background on that? Yeah, the state of Florida has a uh, high school sponsored sport called, they call it weightlifting. It's a combination of the bench press and a clean and jerk. 
those two sports, uh, two lifts. So it, it's been a long, around a long time, since probably uh, the 70s, early yeah. 70s. It was sponsored by Arthur Jones, mm -hmm. the guy who's the uh, originator of Nautilus equipment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I won my first high school weightlifting title, a lot of those guys that uh, were in the pop, uh, powerlifting and weightlifting world will come. And then they would come and talk to the kids that they thought could do good at powerlifting. So I got a flyer. So, and what that showed to my coach, he said, well, if you want to go, we go. So that's how I started. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so, man, I, is there anywhere else in the country that offers that? Uh, uh, that hybrid like that? Do you no, know? No? I think the Florida's the only place. They still do it right now? Oh, yeah. They got a uh, women's division now. Oh, that's pretty cool. Oh, well, you know, also, too, that the pro proliferation of women in powerlifting and in, in all string sports is huge now thanks to CrossFit. From what I understand is that like now we have a lot more women coming into weightlifting sports than we did back then. Yeah. So, like, even just, like, in the 90s or, like, in the early 2000s, we didn't have as many as we do now. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen that? Have you seen that change within the sport, more women coming into it over the time that you've been in it? Oh, yeah. Um, back in the 70s and 80s, you rarely saw a lady in a gym training. Yeah. Um, even when I was in the military, you, they had special days for women yeah. to come in. A couple of hours, like three hours, <laughs> you know. So to come to this point, it's major. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I mean, you know, you had CeCe Holcomb who won, like, overall, uh, uh, the, what was the name of the competition she won recently? The Kern Open. Kern Open. The, yeah, she won the, for by Wilkes, right? The highest so, Wilkes. Yeah, the highest Wilkes overall. So she essentially, like, won the whole competition, right? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, to see that is just, like, such a huge change, you know, I imagine coming from the 70s where you have, like, a special hour, you know, or, like, a day where it's, like, ladies' night or whatever mm -hmm. at the gym. It's, well, it's, you had gyms that, like, Tuesday and Thursday was ladies' day. Yeah. And no guys could come in. Yeah, it's so it's, uh, it's changed so much. Yeah. So, so you get into that. Um, you know, did your coach, your coach at the time, was he a big support for you? Did he, did you learn a lot from him? I learned a lot from Gary Sanders, Mr. Sanders. Um, Gary was a Vietnam vet. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think he, uh, really say he learned how to weightlift when he was in the army okay. and he did some powerlifting and, uh, he was a young man when I first met him. I think he had just finished college mm -hmm. and uh, got hired as coach. And uh, very good technician. He taught us great technique. That's what – I think that was a game changer for me. Technique. Technique. I learned it early and I learned it well. So would you say a lot of the stuff that he taught you technique-wise you still use to this day? Oh, yeah. It's the foundation. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. And I think that that might have been rare at that time because there were so many different options for how to do things. Um, would you say that was rare to learn that kind of technique at the time? I think so because when I went up to college and I did some meets up in South Carolina, um, I was miles above everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So the technique made a big difference. 
Yeah, it's pretty cool. So he was inspired. Uh, he he learned all that stuff when he was in the military. Is he still around right now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's pretty. Do you know if he still coaches? No, he don't. No, he don't. Yeah. Okay. So then, what happened after that? So you're in high school. What were other interests? Because I know that you eventually, you know, went to college and things. And we'll get around. I don't follow a linear progression, mm -hmm. so I kind of jump around in people's history, just letting you know. Mm -hmm. Um. So so what? Where did weightlifting take you next, or was there something in between you and your eventual um, coaching and things like that? Well, the next step was I did some bodybuilding shows. Mm -hmm. So in 1975, I entered the uh, AAU Teenage America. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've seen a couple of shows that Mr. Sanders took us to. Because back then, you had the powerlifting in the morning, bodybuilding show in the afternoon. So... So I figured I could do that. So um, that was my first show, and I did 51 shows. Did my wow. first one in 75, and did my last one in 1990. Yeah, so 1990, a little over 20 years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. it'd be a little over 20 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so <laughs> who was big at the time when you were in the, in, the, in the 70s? Who would have been like some of the top people? Probably... Arnold. Yeah, Arnold. Yeah. Uh, Robbie Robinson, Boyle Cole, Mike Minter. Uh, they were the best pro amateurs at the time. Is there anybody that you, who, who did you look up to and admire at that time? Probably Robbie Robinson because he came and sat beside me in the bleachers uh, that morning. And uh, I remember he was the biggest guy there. So he sat down, and I said, you know, I was, like, looking over to the side, and he, and he spoke. He said, what's up, brother? Yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, we started talking. He said, well, you know, I used to do a little powerlifting. I'm pretty good, I think. And he had just got out of, out of the Army also. Yeah. It was Vietnam vet. And uh, I think the show was the Southern States in Tampa, Florida. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He just blew everybody away. So you were competing against him in this show? Oh, no, no. I was just there for the powerlifting. Oh, you were there for the powerlifting. So he came down and checked out the powerlifting portion. I got you. I got you. Did you do both ever? Were you competing in both at the same time? Oh, yeah. Would you do a meet? Because you were saying that the powerlifting would be in the morning and the bodybuilding. Did you ever do powerlifting in the morning and then do bodybuilding at night? Yes, I did. I did a show in, let me see, it was 76, my freshman year in college, the summer, uh, I did one in Dothan, Alabama. Mm -hmm. um, I did the uh, junior and the open. I did the bodybuilding show. Then I did the powerlifting show. Yeah. Yeah. In Dothan. There's not a whole lot in Dothan. It's another small town. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't expect them to have a meet there. But there's something about that. I don't know. Like they, 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 people, small, A lot of small towns host meets. I don't, I don't know why that's the case, I guess. But um, Dothan, Alabama, that's close to where I grew up. So that's, I've been there a few times. Yeah. Um, there's like just a lot of vintage shops, places oh, for yeah, people yeah. to eat. Things. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty place, yeah. you know. It's uh, yeah, man, Dothan, Alabama. Jeez, that, that brings back <laughs> some, some thoughts. All right, so so you competed in powerlifting and in weightlifting. At what time? When did you start figuring out you wanted to go into military? Um, I was in ROTC. See, my freshman sophomore year, part of my junior year. And 
you know, I stopped ROTC, and then I said, when I graduated, I taught school for two years. So what what did you teach? I taught at that time it was a uh, physical education. So this is when now, you graduated from high school or college? College. College. For yeah. what was the first degree that you got? It was in physical education. Physical education. Okay. Yeah. So I was in South Carolina, Manning, but I taught um, physical education at a little school in uh, Alcalou, mm-hmm. Alcalou Miller uh, Elementary School. Okay. Yeah. And what happened next? I guess career-wise for you. Well, I taught school for a year and a half, and then uh, moved back to Florida, and then eventually went into the military, mm-hmm. the Air Force. Yeah. Uh, what made you want to do that? Opportunities. I yeah. wanted to go back and further my education. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so so it was like you wanted to, to further your education, and did you know what you wanted to go into at that time, or you just knew I wanted I wanted. I, I, need, I wanted a change. I know I wanted to change, because uh, I was able to figure out um, salaries, mm-hmm. what it equated to what jobs. So I knew I wanted to change. And I figured, I had a lot of guys in my, my neighborhood went into the military. One was a recruiter, and he suggested, well, come in the military. He had been in for like four years, and he was a good friend of mine. He was on the weightlifting team in high school. Mm. So he suggested, go in uh, whatever branch you want. And they have a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you spend time in the Air Force, and uh, what did you do when you were in the Air Force specifically? Uh, my first job was uh, I worked in in fitness centers. Okay. You know, um, first as a support, then into management, and I did that for like twelve to fifteen years. I lived in Europe for ten years. Yeah, I, I, but that was cool. That was awesome. Did you live in different places in Europe, or were you... yeah, I lived in the Netherlands for four and a half. Lived in Germany for four and a half. Stay. I was deployed to Turkey for about a year. What was your most memorable um, place that you lived there? The Netherlands. The Netherlands. Yeah. Oh, why? Because the lifestyle. Uh, we lived in. I lived in a neighborhood where you could. Walk to the neighborhood circle that had grocery store, butcher, bakery. Yeah. Um, nice parks. You, you can walk just about everywhere. Uh, two blocks away had a train station. I could take it to uh, Amsterdam, get there in like 50 minutes. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I bet, I bet that was a life. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was beautiful. Have you been back since? I uh, know. No, no, I haven't. That's where my son was born at. Oh, really? Yeah. So Ian, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ian was born there um, at that time. And then I guess, what are some of the biggest lessons that you got from living overseas? Is there anything you learned that was significant that you brought back with you to the States or anything that's like a big difference in between us and them? I... Their standard of living was a little bit uh, more wellness-focused. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, everybody walked. Everybody rode a bike. Mm-hmm. Um, they took vacations. You know, they, they, you know, they enjoyed life. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, the parents, they respected everybody. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, I met a... Uh, Guys that were from Africa, 
Morocco in particular, and I talked to those guys, and they really enjoyed living in that country. Yeah, you know, I've heard that. I've heard that from people who come from overseas, even mm. during the Vietnam era. Like, mm. like when, when you know, my dad is Vietnam era. I mean, going to other countries, feeling like they were being treated a little bit more equally, mm -hmm. or like kind, at least with with a with a level of kindness that, you know, unfortunately, they didn't feel like they were quite getting when they were here in the states at mm -hmm. the time. You know, is something that I think surprised people. So I'm sure that's something that you notice. Yeah, I can oh, see. Yeah. yeah. So you know, kind of like that being said, what are some things that you learned growing up as an athlete that helped form who you eventually became? Being disciplined, um, driven. Yeah. Those are the two. Uh, having a plan and sticking to the plan. Mm, that's very significant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, just to kind of like chime in a little bit, I think people struggle with that. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a, I don't know if you, have you read any Seneca? So Seneca was a, a, a philosopher who wrote Stoicism. Stoicism is just work-life philosophy, like how to get your life done, how to right. be accomplished. And one of the things that he says in this book, um, he says that, uh, what is it? Uh, going about life, he has this list of reasons why you'll make it through life not accomplishing things. And there's, there's a passage in there that says uh, that some people won't make it through life because they go about through life with fickleness that is shifting with no no set goals, constantly changing your mind. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure that like with, you know, getting good at lifting or any kind of discipline uh, would teach you that you need to stick to something. Right. That's kind of what you're getting mm -hmm. at. Yeah. Even uh, getting through college and getting my other two master's degrees, mm -hmm. it was about sticking to the plan. It's not a lot of times about being the smartest or the most intelligent. Um, just being diligent, uh, knowing the path to get there, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and stay on track. Where did you go to school? Uh, South Carolina State. South Carolina. Is that where you did everything at? Or no, no, I did did my undergrad there, and then um, Webster University is where I got my other my master's degrees. So at this time you're overseas, and uh, what brought you back to the states? Well, what brought me back to the States was I was over the 10 years, mm -hmm. and Uncle Sam figured I should come back. Ah, this time. Yeah. yeah. But while I was over there, I, I lifted for a Dutch powerlifting team mm -hmm. and a German powerlifting team. So at this time, you're competing. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you win at, at, over there, at being out overseas? I was a... Any, uh, anything notable? Well, I was uh, I won various world titles by then. And I was a Dutch national champion and powerlifting champion, and I was a German powerlifting champion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the bench press, bench <laughs> press only. So, so just competing in bench press, or mm -hmm. that was because the teams I uh, lifted on, they gave me an invitation, say, "Why don't you come and you're a decent bench presser? Why don't you come?" So I said, "Okay, yeah." So it was most of my team members was there, so I. Competing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so you you're one of the few people who I know who's competed outside of the country and in the country for teams that are from outside of the country. Because right. you know, like for example, like USAPL Nationals, you know, they'll host it in like Canada or you know Belarus or you know mm -hmm. you know these other countries. But you're still representing America. Like in this instance, like you were actually like a part of their team right. uh, in Germany and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 
Was there anyone that you met at the time that was interesting, a weightlifter that stands out at the time? So many. Um, the leadership over there were very positive and uh, very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I even got the Dutch powerlifting team of the Dutch Federation to come to the base. We had a all armed forces championships uh, at the base I was stationed at. They came in refereed to me, you know, for a fee, and they did an excellent job. And I was able to do the same thing while I was in Germany. So they competed on base? No, they came and officiated the event for the Americans. GIs, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. And so the GIs had a competition against each other. Is that? Yeah. 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 We had a uh, powerlifting over there was very structured um, for the for the military. We had Air Force championships, and then we had Army championships. Then we had like a armed forces type situation. Yeah, this is something that I think people who aren't in the military don't know about is that like in the military there are they do host like weightlifting competitions and powerlifting competitions there's a history of that right yeah, yeah is there like a record that are there records for like you know who has like the best bench in the military who has the bench squat stuff like that it's a little bit fragmented yeah um so you had aeu back in the 70s uspf in the 80s and 90s uh, and then you, USAPL came about, and well, I'm saying specifically in the military, like specifically. No, they don't. The they don't catalog. They, really they don't catalog records. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so at this time, when did you start competing in those other federations, uh, the federations like here in the states? Um. 1974. 1974. Yeah. And you competed squat bench and deadlift, or what was it like back then? Uh, basically raw. Raw. Okay. Yeah. So, can you explain to our viewers at home the difference between raw back then, raw now, and like also like the difference between like equipped and raw? Okay. Back then, in the seventies and part of the eighties, early eighties, um, it was just powerlifting. There was no raw. Mm -hmm. So whatever you could afford, like me, I just had a pair of combat boots, a singlet, and a cheap Sears weightlifting belt my dad bought me. So that's what I use. Now, now it's, it's so fragmented with all these different divisions. Mm -hmm. So I would like to say it's just raw. Uh, you got the knee sleeves that are basically like knee wraps. Mm -hmm. um, they got the high-tech belts. So you got the raw and the raw classic. The raw classic, you can use the knee wraps. But it's still, everything you still have to wear uh, a singlet. Uh, between those two things, I think is really crucial. Uh, people tend to put hard and fast rules on things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're not always applicable to things, to, to everyone. So somebody will say, like, you can only train for an hour. Or, you know, 35 minutes is, like, the most you should train. But that's not, you know, that's not always the reality for, for all wow. people, mm -hmm. you know. Because, you know, training has different phases. Mm -hmm. You know, you got sometimes the introductory phase. Then you got the conditioning, contest prep, and then the actual prep for the contest for like the last four weeks. So you have to take that into consideration also. At, at what phase are these people in at the time? Mm -hmm. well, yeah, as far as powerlifting, but some people want to just be fit for life. Mm -hmm. You know, that's their goal, to be fit for life.
And nowadays, you, that's mostly what you work with is like a gen, general population, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. And so, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about the clients that you work with. I know you've got like a variety of people yeah, and causes have, that you work with. Yeah, I have uh, one client is, is a lawyer. I got two lawyers. I got one that's uh, stay at home mom. Mm -hmm. um, I've been training with her for a couple of years and she got, she's in her 60s. So she got back her bone density test and she said it improved significantly. So that was major for her and just getting her general strength up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, special needs kids. Um, I've been volunteering with Special Olympics since the 80s. And when I found out they had powerlifting in Minot, North Dakota, that's how I got into the powerlifting phase of the Special Olympics, work with special needs kids. What drew you to that? Just wanted to help. Just wanted to help? Yeah. Um, sometimes when I heard there's something powerlifting going on, I would just go to it and then volunteer. Especially if I was new to a city or anything. Yeah. I just show up and hey, need some help. I can help. Just wanted to see what the community's like, see mm -hmm. what's going on there, things yeah. like that. So you got involved um, with that, and do you have any of them that still compete right now? Any? All three of my uh, guys I'm working with now, Patrick, Joey, and David, uh, they've won the Special Olympics for the last four years. They've done open competitions yeah. and won. That's cool. Yeah. I saw your pictures on Facebook. Oh, I saw okay. them. Because uh, you have some, right, with the medals? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've, seen, I've seen them. That's super cool. Yeah, I've seen you training them. Uh, I saw you. Um, them. The one that I saw in the photos, he wears glasses. What's his Joey. name? Joey. Joey. Yeah, I saw you doing sled pushes and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and I was yeah. just impressed with how um, you were training and working with them. I mean, that's, yeah. What do you learn from that kind of experience, working with that population? I learned I need to communicate better yeah you know more detail more concrete and patience that's that's what i get from it oh man i i think that's just a, a thing that any teacher needs mm -hmm. I, I think sometimes it's easy to get impatient when you're trying to teach so at least it's been my experience you right, know right. you know and i don't have all the, the training years that you have but sometimes it's easy to be like oh why aren't you getting this yet you know mm -hmm. like you show it to somebody a few times but then you sit back and you're like okay like you know we're not the same like right. when, you, when you leave here, you're doing something else. You're right. watching TV or you're being a mom or you're, you know, you're, you're cooking for your kids. You know, this isn't your life. So there, right. there are things that aren't going to stick in your head as quickly as they would for my athletes or as quickly for somebody who's spending their time being an athletic person. Right. Yeah. So I'm sure that's something that you've had to, to learn over the years. Oh, yeah. 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 Everybody's different. And like you say, everybody retain things mm -hmm. a little faster mm -hmm. or a little slower. And that's what you have to take into account. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, what is your training methodology? If you don't mind sharing that, you know, because yeah. like people have like conjugate, they have linear periodization, Renaissance periodization, all these different options. What What is yours, and what's your background in that? Why did you choose what you choose? I choose linear uh, periodization because I came out of a weightlifting background, mm -hmm. and that's what we use. That's what I was in introduced to and it worked. So you got your core exercises and then you have some auxiliaries to go with your core exercises. So 
and there's so many ways you can set that up also. Mm -hmm. You have different phases. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or you have a person that never worked out in their life. That's, you know, that's kind of different. It's like an introduction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I call that foundations. That's yeah. what I call it. Yeah. Like, it's like, you know, you don't even know how to squat. So we have to yeah. figure out, like, how to get your body moving, you know? Like, you know, you've got to figure out and understand yourself before you can even start any of that. Right, right. It took yeah. me, one of my special needs clients, it took me two years before he learned how to do a full competition squat. Mm -hmm. Where he can do it in competition. Mm -hmm. And did he go on to compete? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So your son, he also competes, right? Um, is he? He's not currently competing, though, right? Is that? He's training. He's training. Um, he just finished his masters six weeks ago, so he's back training, and his his goal is to compete next year. Okay. Yeah. And and he competes in powerlifting, correct? Right. He's a five time junior world champion. Yeah. And he's won four open. National title. In the USAPL? Yes. Yeah, USAPL. Equipped. Equipped. Okay, what are his numbers? Just do you know off the top of your head? Uh, equipped, his best squad is 421. Bench is 507. Deadlift was 854. And his best raw numbers squad is 650. Bench press, 390. Deadlift. 788. Wow. What's it? Did you train your son or did other people? No, I primarily started my son, introduced him to sports condition foundation when he was eight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And have what's that like training your son? What's it like? <laughs> you know, um, do you guys have a close relationship because of it? Do you ever butt heads? Is that okay for me to ask? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my son has been around powerlifting since he was a baby. Yeah. So <clears throat> even when he when we were in Germany and in the Netherlands, the gyms I went to they allowed me to bring my son in. So he's been always he's been exposed to it because um, one of our team pitchers in the Netherlands about thirty days after he was born. He's in right in the middle of the team pitching a stroller with a pacifier in his room. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> but my son, I started him off doing a lot of different sports, gymnastics, martial arts, track and field, basketball. So by the time he started actually touching a bar and using it, you know, he was pretty conditioned. Yeah. yeah. So he's multidisciplinary as well. Yeah. yeah, and you yeah. felt that that was important oh, yeah. to try different things out. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. very important. Yeah. And so, you know, does he follow the same model of programming that you have, linear periodization, or does he do something different? Uh, it's, it's, he, he follows it. he got his own twist to it now. Yeah. Yeah, but basically, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did he do, Does he do bodybuilding? No, no. no his thing same. was uh, football and basketball. He was a very good basketball yeah. player. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Actually, he was a good track and field athlete, but he didn't like track and field. Not his thing. He didn't want to do it, but he was good at it. Yeah. <laughs> he, he might see this. <laughs> so, he knows it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's okay. It's just not his thing. Yeah, I understand. 
Mm-hmm. All right, so you know, tell us a bit about what you're doing nowadays uh, with training and things like that. Well, with training, I have several clients, and I spend most of my day training my clients. I do some online training. I have some very good uh, competitive athletes that's competing out there. Can you name a few? Uh, Clay Ellis, mm-hmm. uh, Anne Marie Bremer. Mm-hmm. She goes to Purdue. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's going to be one of the up and comers. You probably see her in the next couple of years. Okay. She plays second at the Collegiate Nationals. And um, I got several others out there. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. And so, where can people find your online program? Where can people touch base with you? Um, Facebook, Gene Bell. Yeah. And uh, you, I changed my profile picture up a lot. It'll either be me and my son, my logo, or sometimes I put one of my a team picture or something like that in there. Yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. Just open it up. It'd be some powerlifting related stuff. What? would you say to somebody who's new to lifting? They've never lifted in their life, they're a little bit nervous, maybe it's their first time wanting to get into it, what would you say to that person? Well, I would recommend that they find a good coach, Mm -hmm. Um, then proceed and go out and watch meets, Mm -hmm. talk to some of the young athletes that are powerlifting, try and find a gym that's powerlifting friendly, Mm -hmm. because, you know, a lot of your commercial gyms, they don't like that type of training. No, no, they don't. They, they get upset with the noise and things like that. Yeah. yeah. And what would you say, I think, to somebody who is a coach? Do you have any tips for someone like myself that wants to improve as a coach? Continue to seek knowledge. Yeah. Um, talk to other people in the, uh, in the sport. Go out to meets. Uh, become a referee. That's, that really helps. Why does that help? Why? It, it gives you a technical perspective on the lifts. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, sometimes you, you might want to be a meat director down the road. And you already have that foundation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, my situation, I was asked to run the first All Air Force training camp. And being able, being in meets and done meets, I was able to pull it off. Because you had that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to take you through a few rapid fire questions. I'm just going to ask you some fun questions so our viewers can kind of get to know you. All right. So I think I'm going to take some off the top of my head. Any favorite books or are you much of a, a book person? Um, I, I read a lot of History okay. type books. Um, they're about the black, the black experience. Okay. No, sure. Yeah. Please, please. So. Um, Me too. Like yeah. you know, I, I like books like that as well. Mm-hmm. So. No, the last book I read was called The New Jim Crow. Okay. Uh, who wrote that? Okay. Pull it up right now. It's about the prison system, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, that's what I'm kind of reading now. Okay. It used to be kind of sci-fi yeah. type stuff uh, when I was younger, but that's what I'm into right now. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, biographies, uh, 
the last one I read was Cola Powell. Mm -hmm. yeah. Is it good? Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Colin Powell's biography, The New Jim Crow. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What, do you have any favorite TV shows? I like documentaries and movies. Okay. All right. Yeah. What, what do you like documentary-wise? Um, the same vein as the same books? Same vein. Okay, yeah. um, political stuff. Mm -hmm. um, all the stuff that really makes this country tick. Yeah. Or, or that's a problem in this country. Yeah. 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 And I think that's important. I think that people kind of tend to overlook those things or like it's so second place, but those things play a big role in people's lives, whether they want to realize it or not. Now, the most current one I'm watching now is for like with Donald Trump. Uh, the documentary about him? Mm -hmm. Really? It's on Netflix. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who made it? Do you know? No, I sure yeah, It's following his life. Yeah. I bet that's interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, uh, there, there are a few. That, you know, can I make a recommendation? Yeah. Frontline. Have you ever watched any Frontline documentaries on PBS? No. You should watch Frontline documentaries. So Frontline has a series about uh, African-American history in modern times. Uh, so like recent stuff that doesn't really get talked about enough. So like the 90s and the 80s, because like, people, when they think of like African-American history, a lot of times they talk more about things that happened in the like, Jim Crow era or before that um, in terms of like documentaries. But PBS has a really excellent series that is almost up to date right now. So oh, really? like, it goes up to like close to about the time that Obama went into office. Mm -hmm. So it's a very good series. Um, anything they put out, they have a really good series about uh, Putin. Uh, about Korea and I like it because it's unbiased so it's right. very like just like hey like this is what was going on at the time and then they give different perspectives so I hate it when like it's like NPR news yeah like mm -hmm. NPR news it's like it's like fair and it's like hey like this is what's going on mm -hmm. like you know you know like it or love it you know I mean it's, it's what's happening right like as opposed to like pushing a political value so exactly. it's, it's really useful information mm -hmm. yeah so you like that you like movies any particular movies um, I like sci-fi. Okay. Uh, action. And sci-fi has political tendencies too. Yeah. Like if you look at like the works of uh, like Fahrenheit 451, yes. like all those things, all of his, uh, have you read much of his literature? No. no. Okay. Yeah. It all has political tendencies. Um, sumo dead, sumo or conventional deadlift? Did both and was good at both. The, the, say that again? I did both and I was good at both. Okay. Which one's your favorite? Which one's your go-to if you could only do one? Uh, conventional. Conventional? Okay. <laughs> That's, most people have said that on the podcast. Right. Most people say conventional. Because sumo is very technical. Yeah. And uh, when I was my most injury-free, that's when I had my best sumo. Okay. When you're most injury-free. Yeah. Least injury-free. Least injury-free. Right. Okay. Um, all right. What's your favorite sport outside of weightlifting? Track and field. Track and field? Mm-hmm. Is there a specific area in track and field you like the most? The, the sprints and the field events. Cool. Favorite place to eat in San Antonio? You know, I don't have a favorite place to eat. What is the first place that comes to mind that you like to eat at? Somewhere that you like to go? Uh, probably first choice would be IHOP. IHOP? Okay. Yeah. All right. So we're keeping it just some breakfast food. Yeah. Man, you can't beat breakfast food. That's right. cannot beat breakfast food. 
All right, Jean, uh, you know, do you have anything that you'd like to share with their audience before we let you go? Yes, uh, keep an open mind mm -hmm. and always research. If you're cloudy about something, just go out and research it. Find some people you can talk to about it and then form your own opinion. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Gene. I really appreciate it. Uh, one more time, where can people find you? Uh, you can usually find me on Facebook. Uh, just type in uh, Gene Bell, mm -hmm. and you, you'll find me. There'll be some powerlifting-related stuff in there. Cool. Yeah. And you can find me on the Total Body Training Facebook, Instagram page, and at TotalBodyTrainingTX.com. All right, people. Until next time, peace. Bye. Bye.